Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Big O Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Ortiz, and on today's show, I'm joined by my close personal friend, Kavita Bailey. Kavita is a registered nurse that works in both the pediatric and neonatal intensive care units. She drops by to talk about the current state of today's hospitals, some of the challenges nurses are facing with their personal protective equipment, and a reminder that COVID-19 holds no prejudice towards who it infects. This is the Big O Podcast. Yeah, I know you're a little shy. You gotta speak into the mic. I don't know if a lot of people would agree with you. <laughs> that you're shy? Yeah. This is the first time I think I've ever seen you shy. Yeah. You see, you would normally yeah, agree no. if someone told you, oh, Kavita's shy, you'd be like, what? The, no. the loud, boisterous one. I like, don't know loud, but maybe a little boisterous. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you uh, you being here and, and agreeing to do this. No problem. So for those who don't know, uh, you are a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. We're not going to say what hospitals you work at. No, we're not. But you work at you work at two hospitals. Yes, I do. All right, so you're jumping around place to place. I yes, which is both cool and hectic at the same time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You're a second generation nurse because your mom's a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast with you was because like you're a frontline worker right now with the COVID-19 pandemic. And let me start off by saying thank you to everyone who is currently working, whether it's EMS, uh, nurses at hospitals or long-term care homes. While we're all at home working (laughs) or working from home or just off, you guys are continuing to go into hotbed areas where this virus is just continuing to pop up and and almost everybody there's a lot of people that have now been diagnosed with Mm COVID-19 so while we're all at home watching statistics on the news or watching press conferences from our three levels of government you guys are at work (laughs) no breaks or very little breaks Mm -hmm. uh, just putting in the work to try to you know help as many people as you guys can so on behalf of almost everybody (laughs) thank you very much for the job that you guys do thank you now your position uh, doesn't exactly put you necessarily in the front line with dealing with a lot of patients who have tested positive for COVID-19, but you work in the NICU. So what exactly is the NICU? So the NICU is the neonatal intensive care unit. Um, that's where babies are are sent if they're born premature. So if they're born a little early or if they are sick. And then I also work on pediatrics. So sometimes I come into contact with children or babies who are a few months old, a few weeks old. They've gone home. They've come back. So they're admitted to peds sometimes or they can go to the NICU. Just depends on the situation and how many people are on the um, pediatric unit. And depends on the doctor, too. Um, So, yeah, I work on those two units. And you're right. Both of them are low-risk areas, especially the NICU. The only time where it becomes a little bit of a risk is if the mom is suspected for COVID or COVID positive. So then we have to put the baby in isolation and wait until the test results come back. And then pediatrics, not usually, we don't see a lot of COVID patients unless they've come back from travel. That was the one suspected patient that I had. Um, Or again, if they're coming from outside the hospital or maybe they've had a contact with someone who's traveled, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever you, the same thing you heard on the news. So how does that, so when you have your, a child come into your pediatrics and they're suspected for being 
positive for mm-hmm. COVID-19. What does that mean for you guys as, as nurses? Like what precautions are you guys under? What are you guys experiencing, especially, you know, knowing that it's a child that could be positive? It's really rough because it's rough on the family in general, because when they come in, it's usually just one parent. And it, that depends on whether or not if it's the COVID positive parent or suspected parent um, who's with them. And then they are not allowed to leave the room. So even if they need something, it has to be they they can't bring in their own food. So the right. hospital will bring food trays, which is something they never did. Parents would have to provide their own food. Right. Um, and I mean, it's like you don't go stir crazy for anybody staying at home right now. It's you're yeah. going crazy, right? Because you can't leave your house unless it's for groceries. And then imagine being confined to like the size of one bedroom. You right. cannot leave. Right. So. Well, I mean, we live in Mississauga, uh, a neighboring city to us, Brampton. People are still playing cricket. Like people are still out there playing in parks, mm-hmm. being silly. Yeah. Some people even think that this is all just like a giant hoax. And don't realize that, you know, by going out and maybe sacrificing short term time at home, mm-hmm. that it's going to be better in the long run. Now, people take pleasure in on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever and posting people who were such big outcriers of, you know, COVID-19 is not a real thing. Mm-hmm. And then like a week later, those same people get, you know, test positive for COVID-19. It's I don't how people don't understand that this is like a real pandemic this is a worldwide issue yeah it still baffles me people just are not thinking straight right now there apparently was a protest in bc yes i saw a massive gathering of people i saw the instagram video yeah to say that it's not real it's a hoax and all that jazz and i'm like stop drinking the kool-aid people (laughs) yeah it's there are always going to be people who you know, say it's like some government conspiracy, you know, whether it was, you know, cooked up in a lab or whatever. They were saying the other day or today yeah. it was on the news that there's some allegations that it was in a, there was some contagious strain kept in a lab and in, in uh, the province of what's the province? Wuhan. I don't know. Is that the province? That's the where it started. Is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or that, that's the area that it started. Yeah. And so, I mean, China is saying that it's not true and, it kind of just fuels the fire, regardless yeah. of whether it's true or not. The point is we're here now. Exactly. Right? It's so. a real thing. People yeah. are dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just one of those things that like number, like if you don't want to believe what you see on TV, understand and believe the stories of the families that have, have to bury or not even bury. I mean, people are being thrown into a mass grave because Ugh. there just isn't enough space. Yeah. And for anyone who's seen the movie Contagion, like... I mean, it, it's scary. It, it's scary. Yeah. It, it almost to a T was yeah. like what we were getting ready to experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't reached the point that they did where they had like the National Guard handing out food and people, you know, grocery stores being looted. But no, Loblaws was looted. Well, they accidentally well, left it open <laughs> and it was looted. Well, like employees had like shopped there and taken essential groceries and took pictures and said that they were going to pay for it when they returned back. But I mean, in the movie Contagion, people are pulling out guns. They're like breaking into ambulances they're attacking mm-hmm. uh the the uh the not the police the uh, national guard and so i mean that is a reality that could be us if we don't continue to physically and socially isolate ourselves mm-hmm. and understand distance ourselves and understand that the sooner we do those things and comply with what's going on the sooner we all get back to the life that we all want to live mm-hmm. um so going back to the hospital. So your mom is an older nurse. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be a concern for you with, with, you know, her working, not in the NICU, but like yeah. working. She's with, literally on the front lines. Yeah. So. 
So, so how, how do you cope with that? I don't know if I actually am to be completely honest. <laughs> um, I worry about her all the time. So she works in an in intensive care unit. So basically what I do, but for adults, right. Um, and adults are the ones who are mostly infected with right. COVID-19. So they come, they'll come into the eMERGE and sometimes they're sent home to self-isolate. And then even if they come back to say if their symptoms have gotten worse, sometimes they're like, no, go home, go back right. home. And so sometimes they'll come in and they can't breathe. And that's the only time when they're admitted. So right. they're already at the point where the sickness is basically taken over. Right. And there's only so much you can do. Regardless, it's still contagious. So my mom's working with all of these contagious people. And the protections that they have for nurses are limited. Some re- research has said that it is droplet contact. So that means right. like little, like when you cough, it's like these little droplets that right. hang in the air and then will drop uh, depending on their size, but then it'll land on surfaces. And so those surfaces are contagious if you touch them and then touch your eyes, your nose, your ears, your mouth, or even through like a cut on your finger or whatever, Jeez. right? So any way you can get, get into your system. And my mom's working with these people, breathing the same air as them. I mean, in the ICU, they usually have um, isolated rooms. So right. it's one patient per room. It's They're not doubled up. Right. But who's to say that's not going to change, right? They're using one ventilator for two people, which is unheard of. Like you right. don't do, that's just something you don't do. Well, it's because they're desperate for yeah. ventilators, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, a few weeks ago, it wasn't really sinking in as a reality that we were going to be out of PPEs for frontline service workers. Mm. But the reality is you guys are not having the same supply that you would be hoping to have in, mm-hmm. in a pandemic like this. Definitely not. Um, I can tell you that as per our contract in Ona, we're supposed to, every hospital is supposed to be prepared for any kind of surge in an illness or pandemic or whatever. And they are not, they are most definitely <laughs> not prepared to a point where we're reusing N95. So those are the, the max protection usually that you can wear for an airborne disease but because they're saying it's not airborne, it's droplet. And you only need the N95s if you're doing like um, a procedure called um, uh, intubating. So if you're putting a tube down their throat or suctioning. So then you're creating all of this like fluid that's just jumping up and it could hit you, right? Um, But you're not supposed to reuse them. There's, we we haven't reached a point where ever that you're supposed to reuse these N95 masks. So not only they're reusing the N95, they're also trying to find ways to reuse Surgical masks. Surgical masks are like the basic masks ever. Those are right. the ones you wear. Like you see people would wear on a normal basis. Right. Like you go to Chinatown or right. on a really bad day or if they're not really feeling well. Right. right. So how do you reuse that? It's one of those things that's funny because like you have certain parameters and safety precautions that you put in and, and restrictions. So you use this one time and you're supposed to dispose of it. But now because resources are limited, they're going to find a way that, okay, if we had to use this, could we make it work? Are we compromising something somewhere? Probably. But at the end of the day, do we want to just reuse it because we don't want to tell people that we've run out of it and we haven't planned accordingly? I mean, if I worked for the government, that's probably how I would see it. But mm-hmm. realistically, I'm not someone who's working in such close proximity. I mean, the TTC drivers mm-hmm. uh, last night walked out, Yeah, uh, filed a... uh, filed a case with their union who the Ministry of Labor then comes in. Mm -hmm. A work refusal, sorry. The Ministry of Labor came in and said they were satisfied with the job the TTC was doing when providing whatever 
PPE that they had at the time, which I'm pretty sure was everything except for masks. I think that was the big thing that the TTC drivers really wanted. They have the plexiglass up. I believe they have gloves, so they're not coming in close contact, but the union representative mentioned that without masks, they're susceptible to people still coming on from droplets, or if they're asymptomatic, being able to pass it along to customers still riding the TTC. Mm-hmm. And my mom takes the TTC. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe we gotta get your mom a car. I feel like that's that's probably what Shout we have to, to do. Shout out to Hertz Car Rentals. They were giving out for um, yeah. rentals to nurses. I saw that. Yeah, which was really great, so... So, so what happened? We're not, we're not getting your mom a Hertz rental? Well, my mom's driver's license, isn't it? She... Because you know how Service Ontario closed yeah. because of this whole thing. So she couldn't renew her license. You could do it online. What are you talking about? No. Yeah. Oh my God. Really? I feel like so Oh boy. Now. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time I went into Service Ontario. To okay. But when stuff. I went to go and try and do it online, it said like, if it's expired, you don't have to worry about it right now. You can still drive on an expired license okay. because of this. But so, I don't know. So whatever. your mom has an expired license. Yeah. But to get the rental you had to have a valid oh, license oh gotcha yeah, gotcha so. all right so, so you can drive government you can't ontario just get a rental <laughs> yeah right. government ontario says you can drive your own car yeah 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 you but just can't drive rental cars are like no we're not going to play that yeah yes. so I, I feel for the ttc um drivers because you don't know where as you said you don't know where they're coming from and right? you have such a transient customer mm-hmm. base right like exactly. people getting on getting off you've like you said they have no idea where you've come and how many times have we seen videos of stupid people spitting on things Mm -hmm. that's why they installed the plexiglass because of people so many people were spitting on ttc drivers you know it's like you see on instagram like people spitting on elevator numbers in in their own like condo or whatever just to be assholes deodorants yeah i saw that guy that guy (laughs) that guy got charged with like uh third or second level terrorist threat yeah, it was it was pretty. Uh, I can't say I feel sorry for him. Yeah, he he actually had a court date not too long ago. It has to go back, I think, in June. But yeah, you get crazy people like that. I mean, just the other day, we saw uh, what looked like a homeless person mm-hmm. steal a bike from a guy, and the guy wanted to fight back, and this homeless guy pulled out a knife, and there were like thirty cop cars that oh, had okay, to. Okay, yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, there were like thirty. Sorry, thirty cops that ended up having to take this guy down. One cop car even like hit the guy. Yeah, the guy yeah. bounced right off like he was <laughs> Superman. But like we're living in a crazy time and what people fail to realize is the longer that this goes on, the more stir crazy people are going to get. Like Mm -hmm. the World Health Organization already came out and said that around the world, the rates of domestic violence have gone up. Mm -hmm. That is not going to get better the longer that we are in this. Yeah, no, for sure. So when people make silly decisions like saying that they haven't spitting on people or still going to parks or not doing their part to socially distance themselves or if they have it, not isolating themselves. Mm-hmm. We had uh, a co-worker on Facebook uh, mention that they knew of someone who had tested positive and they weren't self-isolating. And so they called 311, they called the police and no one could direct them as to who they could tell to go and talk and go to talk to these Mm -hmm. people. Right. It actually, I'm pretty sure the person, uh, on, I think the mayor was on CP 24. They did some sort of, uh, question period and they actually asked and they got like the right answer as to who they can call. But people are just not making smart decisions. Mm -hmm. They're bypassing lines. They're not staying six feet away from each other, which I understand in a grocery store, having, being the one who does grocery shopping, it's tough. Mm Mm-hmm. Pick a good time to go. I don't think there's a good time anymore, though. Oh, listen. I, listen, I live in Mississauga. Square One Walmart. Mm-hmm. Never a lineup. 
Really? Oh, it is. It is popping. It is. It is like the best place if you need to go shopping. It's it's two floors. It's super awesome. Hmm. Um, and the times that I've gone, there've never been a line to get out. There, but what about a line good. to get in? No, never. Oh wow! Because yeah. all the WalMarts that I've driven past, yeah, there's always a line. I think people are just like scared of the mall. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that our Walmart is in Square One because okay. it's. It's fantastic. It's always open on holidays. Like, it's great. <laughs> Except for Easter Sunday. I went to go shopping on Easter Sunday and forgot that, like, things might change during COVID-19. Yeah. And sure enough, I got to the front door. It's like, oh, we're closed for today. Yeah, yeah. There was, like, two cars in the parking lot. I'm like, I came at the right time. This is perfect. <laughs> but, yeah, no. I looked uh, very silly having to return back home with no groceries. So, what challenges like has your mom told you about anything like any other challenges other than like not having ppes like what are what are your work shifts like during this time yeah definitely having not having the ppe is what's scaring nurses the most right um i think just the entire shift in general is more tiring right so um as you might have heard some nurses are being redeployed throughout the hospital so she has some nurses from pacu so that after you come out of surgery you have some nurses who attend to you those nurses are being redeployed to areas like the ICU and they're supposed to help. However, they aren't ICU nurses, so they don't have right. the train, the same training. So there's right. a very limited amount of things that they can or feel comfortable doing. And then as a part of their scope of practice, they're not supposed to do things they feel uncomfortable doing because that can lead to a whole slew of problems. So um, even with their help, you can have things happen where you go into that room, that isolated room by yourself and you're in there for hours because like if the patient is coding or if there's a lot of meds that you have to give or the patient still need to be bathed and um, cleaned after they have a bowel movement or they urinate. So there's like so many things that you have to do in that room and then you have your PPE, your mask might be fogging up. Um, You're breathing in your own CO2 and that can make you dizzy and, and hot and it, the entire situation is just not ideal. So definitely attending to the patients themselves is right. um, can be a challenge, even with the additional help. And then just it's heartbreaking because here's this person, young, old, whatever their age is, yeah. who's dying on their own. They don't have family. Even in yeah. the ICU, you're allowed to have family on a normal basis. Right. But given COVID, no visitors are allowed. Right. So I know that some hospitals are doing video conferences to the the family now and then, but given how many patients you have, like how often does that happen? I don't know. I'm just, it's just a question because like doctors probably don't have a lot of time and nurses don't have a lot of time. And it's not like you can sit on the phone and give a minute by minute update. You can't hold that person's hand because they don't know you and you're not going to provide the kind of comfort that they would probably get from like a daughter or a brother or whatever. So it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, right? we, we, I was watching the news today, actually, and uh, someone from, I think it was the Eatonvale um, Care Center, the one that's on East Mall, um, they were talking about their father being taken out of the long-term care home in just a hoodie. So taking out, because he was sick, into the ambulance, from the ambulance to the hospital, and then from the hospital, once he passed away, to wherever he was going to get cremated. All this person had on was just his hoodie. And that's the last image that he said he's ever going to remember of his father mm. was that the indignity, he called it, of just only having a hoodie on. Yeah. And that's it. And I mean, could more be done? Sure. I mean, but I feel like 
the long-term care workers or the nurses, you guys have so much responsibility, not only to take care of the patients that you're looking after, but also your own health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Because we're seeing now a shortage of workers. Yeah. And if there's a short of, shortage of workers and the cases continue to go up, who's taking care of these patients? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a tough spot. I, I know they've changed something where they are bringing back like retired doctors. They want to implement, uh, you know, doctors from other countries being able to, to work and help out even students being able to help out now a little bit more than, I mean, again, it's just, it's that same thing when shit hits the fan, mm-hmm. all of those, you know, regulations and all those policies that were once like, okay, we're only going to have, you know, X amount of people. They change based on the situation that, you know, we're currently in. Yeah. It, and it's, I'm sure it's frustrating. I have a few friends who are internationally trained doctors and I don't know what the process is that they're going through right now but it's difficult right yeah. so imagine you're a doctor who came and had to go jump through all kinds of hoops to to get to your practice or maybe right. you weren't even able um even able to get to that point where you were able to practice as a md in canada but it's a lot and as a nurse who went through nursing school <laughs> and a first time nurse like my first job i'd be absolutely terrified right if they called me be like yep you got your um here's your your license come start working on a covid floor or an, a, a medicine unit that right. is doubling as whatever it is right so it's it's absolutely terrifying um not f- just as a nurse i'm sure for themselves and then what about the people that you're taking care of for sure like do you get an orientation how long is that orientation um I, I, do they let things slide because of the situation I don't, I don't know. I, it's it's tough. I mean, I'm glad that those uh, internationally trained doctors are getting jobs and they probably do deserve it because it, medical training, like, let's say from countries that were, let's say from, I know there's the, in, if you can't, went to Ireland, right. right, to do your MD. Yeah. And then you came back. I know someone who went to Ireland and who's currently working at SickKids, right? Right. So I'm not saying the process is easier, but right. can you say the same thing for a doctor who trained in India or in the Caribbean who right. came back, right? So right. I don't know. Um, it's a lot. And I do feel for the families. I feel for the the staff. I'm, I do know of a patient who came, who wasn't COVID related, right. but ended up in the ICU and died and <sighs> wasn't even from here. So nice. had to be their family from back home had to be informed over the phone because yeah, they can't travel. It's not that they can travel here now, exactly. right? Exactly, they can't travel here. I and know. then the Trillium benefits, so the people who call you when someone dies to ask for their their organs, calls right. them, right? Like, how do you deal with that situation? Your my son just died, or whoever just died, and you're asking me for their organs, and I can't get to him. I can't. Yeah. It's it's terrifying. I I don't know. It's just really rough in the hospital right now. I'm sure. To and then you work there and then you come home and you can't do anything. There's no outlets. Right. You know what I mean. So it's, yeah, I saw you. Uh, or it was either last week or the week before when we dropped off, dropped off some food for you, and, and that was one of the things I asked you. Yeah. I said like, how are you coping with this? Because and you even said you know you're having a hard time because on your days off you yeah. would go to the gym. You mm-hmm. would you know do other things to get your mind off of work and you yeah. know, work on a, on a regular day in a hospital. I cannot imagine is very easy, mm-hmm. let alone when everything is under the microscope, people are testing positive, dying left and right more so than you probably have ever seen during your career. Yeah. 
and what outlet do you have? And that's just me as some as a nurse who doesn't work like right on the front lines. Can you right. imagine the nurses For in sure. the ICU and the doctors in the ICU and doctors being taken from like family doctors are now being asked to do a rotation in the hospital. You spent your practice in a private office. Right. And now you you're asking them to go work in a hospital where they could potentially. Well, I mean, anyone who works in the hospital uh, could potentially die for sure. But it's terrifying. Right. And yeah. but you took an oath and here you are. But doing your part, doing your part, trying to. But yeah, it's it, when you don't have anything to do, you can't and you're with the same people in the same house. You, sometimes you can get irritated with each other and there's you can't leave because <laughs> you're not allowed to. So now does that get harder when you're already irritated with the person that you live with before <laughs> this happens? Uh, I love you, Jay. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I can only imagine what what it's like. Just also you just being so careful with you know, your own health as well of, you know, how do you practice proper hand washing and all of those type of things? Because one, you don't want to take something to mm-hmm. the hospital yeah. and you also don't want to bring something back from the hospital. I mean, they've just changed uh, now where when a person dies uh, and they're going to be taking to either be cremated or taking to the cemetery or whatever, cemetery workers now are not allowed into uh, hospitals. Mm-hmm. So basically what they'll do is they'll just put them in a body bag, take them outside, and then they'll make the exchange outside because they're really trying to reduce the amount of cross-contamination that is potentially happening now. Yeah, and I think that's difficult because if I'm right, I'm not completely sure, I think in Judaism, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to touch the body. Like okay. For Jewish people, you're, you're just supposed to leave them until the appropriate officials come and take a look at the body. Or, or I don't know what they do, but... And in, in Islam, you're supposed to wash the body. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of things right now that, you know, for religious beliefs that are, are sort mm-hmm. of being put secondary. And I can't say that I disagree with them. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. I, I mean, I get it. There are going to be a lot of people who are upset about those things because of, like, their religion. But, you know, if we all believe in who we believe in, we also understand that there are certain things that are, you know, not within our control mm-hmm. and things that are forgivable. Yeah. Right. And this is one of, this is one of those things. Yeah. Um, so in the early stages of COVID-19, um, where we were talking about social distancing at a very early stage, you had a little bit of a issue with your hospital. Uh, I'm trying to put it as delicate, (laughs) put it as delicately as possible so I could just set you up there. I had a few issues with my hospital. Um, I don't know. I, the first one was I came when they started implementing where you could enter and exit from the hospital. Right. This was after the physical social distancing. That's what they were calling it before. Right. Um, was implemented. So they made it, you could only enter through one, one entrance. Right. And you could only exit through one entrance or they hadn't been clear about where you could go. Um, so then there was like the massive line just to get into a hospital, just right. to get to work so they could screen people. And I'm all for screening people, for but sure. it was the efficiency that bothered me. And the fact that you're asking people to be screened, but then also not implementing the rules, um, outlined by government, right. By right. the top dog of yeah. Ontario or whatever, Canada. Right. Sure. So there was this massive line and I posted it because I was upset. Like here, like people are trying to get to work and they could be, um, will you, uh, there was a outbreak at a hospital. And so you're asking these people to line up with other people who may or may not have 
the disease. Right. Right. So it's just rough. And I was not happy about that. They were pretty close. I mean, if I remember the picture correctly, they were pretty close standing together. Not only that, but you have hospital workers and people exiting the hospital going out of the same doors. Right. Exactly. One would think, and this is not to say one person's life is more valuable than another, but you as an employer Mm -hmm. make sure that you are doing everything in your power to make sure that your workers are not coming in contact with anybody. And you're not exactly wearing all of your proper PPEs as you're leaving the hospital, at least maybe not, not. maybe not at that time. No. Yeah, we weren't Um, for sure. And so it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, maybe our employers have to do a little bit better of a job and protecting the workers. Cause again, you guys go down, we've seen it. There was, we've seen nurses get it. Mm -hmm. There's been doctors getting it. I mean, the, the guy who, told his country that this was going to be a problem died of Mm COVID-19 janitorial staff have gotten it. Yeah. So, I mean, if we aren't protecting those people, you know, who's going to be the ones taking care of people who are testing positive that are just out on the street. Yeah. And it was the communication. So I was coming off a night shift that day or I guess that morning and there was no communication as to where you could exit. So I ended up exiting through the doors that people were coming in and I was like, this you're a little communication. upset. Yes. A little upset. I would have gone through the correct entrance if, or sorry, the correct exit if I had known, but right. um, I tried to go through one. I said, uh, they said, no, you can't go through here. You have to go down the hall, but the down the hall was the wrong way. So even right. the people telling you where to go were wrong. And there's new emails every day with different updates, what you can and cannot do. Uh, there was an email saying that you are not allowed to post to social media. <laughs> so, and, so, and this and this came out after your Instagram post, yes, correct? Yes, that came out after my Instagram post. But who's to say if it was because of me? It's conspiracy theory right yeah. there. So, um, actually, they responded to my Instagram post saying, oh, like, really? <laughs> asking to maintain people's privacy. And I'm like, one, you're in public. So you have no right to privacy when you're in public. Right. And nobody's faces were showing. So I was just showing the massive line from the end to the, to the entrance. Yeah. They were, they were just a little bit hurt. They're just a little, cause it was, it was two pictures, right? It was one in the, like the entrance of the hospital and then one in the parking lot. Right. Yeah. That was from the end. That was, that's insane. I left, I did a video showing me leaving and how long the line was. And so I went to the very end of the line because I had to to get to my car anyways. And I just showed how long it was just to get to the doors of the entrance. And even after those doors, inside the doors, there's another line just to get to the screeners. And this time they were doing the screening um, with paper and pencil or sorry, pen and paper. Right. So you had to write down everything or somebody was asking you the questions and you have to let them finish. Right. Right. I I know that some people were getting irritated and were just like, no, 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 no to everything. But you have to let them finish. They're just doing their job. Right. Um, but since then, they've gotten better. They've switched to um, an online screening that you can complete on your phone before you get right. in. And then you just have to show that it's done, sanitize your hands, put your gloves, on, um, your mask on and be on your way. Only two people in an elevator. So sometimes it's just better to take the stairs. And So are the, are the hospitals giving out patients, uh, giving masks out to patients as well? Um, patients come in through a different entrance. So oh, I don't okay. know. So this is just, our, I would assume just so. the staff then. Yeah. I would assume that they're giving patients masks as well because One w- they have to walk through the hospital, right. right? The hospital's breeding ground. I mean, cleaners clean it. They yeah. do their job, but you never know five minutes ago, maybe someone sneezed or coughed on a surface and then a cleaner hasn't gotten to it yet. And then you go and touch the elevator button yeah. and then no wipe bueno. your eye. And yeah. So, it's, uh, and how long are your shifts typically? 
12 hours. Well, some hospitals do eight, Okay. Um, but mine are 12. Okay. So you work 12 hours, mm-hmm. the same mask. Yes. One mask. First it was two. Now it's one. Now you're being rationed down to one. Yes. So and you have to sign when you, when you take another one, you have to put your name down and tally it up. Oh man. Is the mask police going to come after you? Well, I would hope not, but it, that's what most people feel like. I, yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine with everyone hearing, you know, there's a shortage and mm-hmm. having to sign that you're going to be held accountable, which I understand if you're going through like 15 masks unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. But who's to say it's unnecessary? But, but I, right? I chose my words very carefully, right? <laughs> you know, unnecessarily that might be deemed by the hospital. But I mean, there may be situations where 15 masks based on the job that you're doing or an incident that you're dealing with mm-hmm. is realistic. Yeah. But it also may not be. So I understand from that perspective that, you know. Well, in some, so we have different comp, uh, different precautions for different patients, depending on what they're there for. Right. So currently a COVID patient is droplet contact unless you're doing something like intubating or suctioning them. Right. So that's when you would have to put an N95 on. Right. Uh, but if you have a patient that is truly droplet contact for like something like the normal flu, or let's use a different... Um, See, the flus all look like droplet contact, that, that's right? That's it, right? So, so if you had someone, uh, uh, let's, another droplet contact patient, okay. you're supposed to change your mask. You can still wear um, a surgical mask, right? but you're supposed to change it because you can't wear that one right. for the rest yeah, of your yeah, day. Yeah, for sure. So that would be one change, which is justifiable. For sure. But then the other day, like I sneezed in my mask. <laughs> so uh, I had to change it. I wasn't going to wear the same snotty like mask again. So I had to change it. And then sometimes if it falls on the floor by accident, you need another mask. Interesting. <laughs> Sneezed <laughs> if in you, your mask. If you need a mask, take a mask because... For sure. I didn't sign up for my job to... Yes, I, I have no problem doing my job and taking care of other people, especially in this vulnerable time. But that doesn't mean I'm going to put myself in harm's way. For sure. So the mo- no, no, no. And this is what I've been like telling to anyone who will listen. As soon <laughs> as they run out of PPE and they tell me that, oh, well wear a, a cotton one or a yeah. homemade one. I'm sorry, refuse to work, unsafe environment. Yeah. Listen, stand on your soapbox. It's okay. <laughs> You're allowed to. And I don't think anyone's going to really blame you. I mean, based on everything that we're seeing in the news, whether we're listening to it or seeing it on TV or the press conferences, I mean, the federal, provincial, and municipal government have all said that, you know, there is a shortage. They're doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will say, no, there's like this massive storage of these things. They just don't want to give them out to their workers. I don't necessarily think that because again, something happens to you guys. Who's going to come in and save the day? But the thing is, is that they're, um, they're making it difficult to ask, access these, these, right. these PPE, right? Yeah. So even if you needed a new N95, you have to go and ask for, tell the security guard, the security guard tells your manager. And so it's like this whole thing. Wow. So it's still, it's, and, and it makes you feel kind of bad being yeah. like, okay, I got to, you almost, if you don't, I mean, even if you have to, some might even just hesitate to do it and be like, you know, I'll just put up with it for, mm-hmm. you know, and compromise themselves by doing so. Right. Yeah, so, which I think is unfair. Like you shouldn't be guilting people into compromising their own health. For sure. And then even the sterilization process, how do we know that the straps so there's some, it's like these rubber straps, mm-hmm. but does the sterilization process affect the quality of these straps? Right. Does they wear down? Yeah. Yeah. And then when you put it back on your face, are the straps tight enough that the fit of the mask is appropriate such that you wouldn't be breathing anything that's harmful? Right. So it's a whole bunch of different questions that aren't exactly answered. 
Right. And it's, that's what makes it frustrating. Well, we'll, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. That's the answer that you guys hear. Uh, you know, we'll look into it. We'll, we'll ask the manager. We'll ask the, uh, whoever we'll get back to you. What was your slogan there? Need a mask, take a mask. Yes. I like that. It's like, need a penny, take a penny. Need a mask, take Listen, nurses, anybody out there, need a mask, just take a mask. It's yes. fine. Um, so in the NICU, so one of the, I have a friend who is scheduled to give birth, I believe sometime in June. She just registered in her hospital mm-hmm. and she mentioned that when she registered, they told her that her husband was only allowed to be at the hospital for, I think it was three hours, and then poor guy has to go. Did they tell her whether or not that included if she went into premature labor, like if she no. had prolonged labor? I, that, like, is it three hours after I birth? Think, I think it was three hours after birth. Okay. I think it was like, once the baby's born, like you're, you gotta be out of there within mm-hmm. three hours. Um, I have a person who I play softball with who's you know, has a friend who gave birth, and she had a cesarean section. Oof, ouch. So, I mean, she herself had major, major surgery, yeah. had a baby, mm-hmm. and husband was told, yeah, three hours, and, and then you're out of there. Yeah. I mean, the one good thing about, I mean, the thing I got scared about until someone told me differently was that, you know, how scary would it be to be a pregnant woman mm-hmm. going into a hospital mm-hmm. during Where this... Where there's COVID, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like during this chaos. And I mean, they, they sort of said they have a different entrance, they can go to their whole like different floor, and they're not necessarily coming in contact or being near these people. But I mean, your nurses still have to go through the staff entrance. Right. So, and so it it becomes, it becomes like birth in itself is a scary thing. Having been part of it twice, not saying that (laughs) I gave birth, but being part of the situation where, you know, my wife had two cesarean sections. Like the first time me being there was really like to take care of, my wife like the mm-hmm. nurses are really awesome with helping with the baby whether it's feeds or changes or whatever but if your wife or your partner has a cesarean section like that's major surgery for them yes major surgery you know you're trying to figure out you know who you to take care of luckily the second time around we we had a plan <laughs> we were very lucky to have you know our lovely nurse friend kavita bailey <laughs> um actually be able to stay with you know sahar at the time and, and help with with aria and you know it allowed me to take care of Sahar or, or be at home with Mila. Cause you know, you got to think about that second kid. And mm-hmm. you know, we had a lot of help the second, second time around with, with you and then Shabnam and Yusri who stayed with, with Mila. But I mean, not everybody is in that situation. What if you're a single mom with no family? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? And it's your first baby. It's your first baby. Yeah. That's absolutely terrifying. Right? Like it's terrifying on a good day, let alone when you, you know, are understanding that maybe just two floors above or two floors below, there's just chaos taking place. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing a child into this world. Not to mention, I can't remember if it was in Canada, um, so I'm not going to speculate where it was. But there was a woman who had to have an emergency emergency cesarean section because she had COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And in order to save the baby, had to have a cesarean. Baby st- made it and the mom died. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's just... There was a, a situation in my hospital where the mom almost died and baby didn't make it. So imagine having to deal with, I don't know what the, I don't work on labor and delivery. So I'm assuming I would hope that a support person, partner, mom, whoever would be able to come in at that point. But even like those first few moments where they, that person still has to get to the hospital, right? Yeah. Going through the nurses are there, but they don't know you. They didn't do that nine months with you. Those were 39 weeks, whatever. Yeah. That, it, oh, I, um, parents, 
God, yeah, birth, to you guys. Like, I don't know. Shout out to all the moms out there. Yeah. Listen, it's birth is a scary experience to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like I said, add in this current time and it's just everything is a million times worse. Yeah. And so we had a baby that was admitted to the NICU whose mom was suspected. Mom was ill. So mom okay. was not able. So if you have an ill parent, right. you are not allowed into the NICU. Gotcha. Period. Full right. stop. So, even if you're the mom. Even if you're the mom. So this mom could not see her child in the first few hours. Oh, man. Right? She had to send the her breast milk um, via the nurse, which is, it's absolutely terrifying. Here you deliver yeah. this baby into the world and you're told no, right? That would never happen any other time. So that, like, this is completely unprecedented. Only happens in, like, movies where yeah. it's like you have a baby and then there's, like, that room of babies in their little, like... Yeah. cubicle things and yeah. like oh which one's yours oh third row in the back <laughs> you know like it doesn't doesn't happen in real life but mm-hmm. i mean i can only imagine you know nine months of waiting for this baby to come you go through this experience and now you you know you were counting down the minutes and seconds and now you have to wait hours before you can see your baby again like or that's, days yeah like if that's, you're really unwell like that's right? insane like that's to me that that's tough mm-hmm. but i mean i understand that all of these you know barriers are and things that are put in place are to protect as many people as possible, including, you know, baby from mom and mom from baby, right? It's well, a tough not time. baby from mom. Baby can't get. Right, right, right. <laughs> mom, baby, well. It would be baby from mom. Baby from mom. Baby, mom from baby. No, baby. Baby from mom. No, mom, f- protect. Baby from baby mom if mom from was mom. sick. Yeah. But you can't protect mom from, from baby. From baby, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, baby's not going <laughs> to come in. All right, listen. It's late. Listen. That's fine. Um... I mean, this is, this has got to be one of the scariest times. What is another thing that you can sort of, I guess, clarify with, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, it's the old age people that are only being affected, but now we're starting to see a lot of Mm -hmm. 30 something. Yeah. 39 year old died not too long ago. Right. There, there are a lot of healthy 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds that are falling victim to this, um, in your hospital, based on you know conversations that you've had with your coworkers, are you starting to see more young people start coming in now well i wouldn't see them no but i mean your coworkers. well my coworkers work on the same unit oh, okay <laughs> i guess okay so i guess in your in your hospital i don't know if they tell you if well i can say this that we're seeing a lot more nurses okay or there's a lot more staff members i should say we don't know whether they're nurses or right. not be um be tested positive and really? so they have to stay home. Right? So that's so. another thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's not only are they out of commission, but now they have to what self-isolate for 14 days. Yeah. So, and it's not just, and if you're looking at my age group, like my cohort of nurses, I'm relatively young. Yeah. Right? I would so, say so. So it's once, and then let's say that one 30 something year old yeah. is tested positive. Everyone that they had interactions with. So that could be, um, other nurses from her or his line. So nurses work on lines and right. you have line buddies, some people who work, who overlap in their, their work schedule with you. Everyone's out. Like you, if you had an interaction with that person, you had to quarantine yourself for 14 days. Jeez. So that takes out a whole slew of other workers. Right. Right. So it does get complicated. Um, there have been young people or relatively young people who have become infected and then died. Uh, there have been elderly people. I believe there was like a 101-year-old man yeah. who was infected and was fine, like right. who, who was healed or whatever. Yeah. 
So it could go either way. I had a friend who tested positive. Her whole entire family tested positive. Jeez. But she's getting better. That's good. Right? Her family's getting better. Right. So there's no one is exempt from this. There was a child who died. I don't know where. But right. I heard in the news that there was a child who died. It's it's scary, right? It's it's becoming ever so real when you... I, th- I think it's when you hear about it on the news, it's one thing. But once you start to know family members or friends or friends of friends that are mm-hmm. contracting this, it, it sort of hits home a little bit more. Scary. And I mean, coming from a family or family I married into where, you know, family interaction is such a huge deal, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's really hard for them to understand that they have to isolate and not see like the, the grandkids or, the, or their children during mm-hmm. this time. Right. And they're, you know, going a little stir crazy, but you know, they're a little bit older. Some of them may have underlying health issues to begin with. It's a little bit challenging to sort of show them the light. So I understand like the, the immense pressure that's put on, put our kids that, you know, from their parents be like, Oh, you got to come around. Like we're getting bored at home. Like it's tough. Like it's tough on everybody, Yeah, but we got to do our part. Like it's, that's just the reality of it. It is really rough. Um, I had someone like, uh, one of my best friends and she lives close by too. And she made some treats for me or her sister right. made treats for me and I went to go pick them up. But her house has always been like a place where I can just walk in. Right. I can walk in, open the cupboard, open yeah. the fridge, no problem. And I couldn't come past the front door. Right. right. And even when she came close to the front door, I had to back up a little bit right. to maintain that distance. And it was just really weird. And I felt so sad. Like, this is someone I've known for over a decade. I can't yeah. give them a hug. I can't yeah. thank them um, for the, what they've done for me. It's just, it was just really, I could look and see inside and I can imagine what it looks right. like, but I cannot go. So it was it's really, tough. yeah, it was really weird. Um, not a good feeling whatsoever. Well, I think the sooner we continue to practice, you know, physical and social distancing, the sooner we'll mm-hmm. see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to quote a movie now. Um, the night is darkest right oh, before God. the dawn. Oh. I think a good Harvey, <laughs> Harvey Dent quote from, uh, from the dark night, but it's true. I mean, you know, when, when I watch the news with Sahara and every day, she's like, Oh, you know, another 511 cases. And I said, listen, in these situations, it has to get worse before it can get better. Yes. So unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until we see that worst day, that peak that they're always saying is just around the corner next week, next couple of days, and then we can start to move forward. But even then, you, we have to be careful about reopening and going That's re- right. going back because then that, even if we're coming down off of the peak, we could go right back up, right? 100%. So there's still people walking around who are asymptomatic. Maybe they're carrying it on their clothes. Maybe, right. We don't know. So, so I would rather have everything closed and maintain this for a longer time yeah. than have everything resume and go back to normal really fast and then have it spike up even worse than before. Right. Yeah. So it's a crazy time, Kavita. Yeah. It's an absolute crazy time. I want to say thank you for doing this. Oh, no problem. Um, you know, a big thanks to you, your mom, all the frontline healthcare workers that are Mm -hmm. continuing to show up to work, doing everything they can to protect themselves and protect the people that are in their care. You guys do a amazing, amazing job. Um, you guys are essential by definition, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it's, it is amazing to see the work that you guys do and we are very, very appreciative. Yeah, thank you. And shout out to you guys and everyone who works in grocery stores and pharmacists and everyone else who's essential because some factory workers are still For sure, essential. yeah, that's right. So, 
Yeah. Shout out to all the essential workers exactly, right now. Exactly, yes. My only argument is that let's make uh, hair barbershops <laughs> essential. <laughs> you can get the tools and do it yourself. Yeah, I'm we, sure I try, I tried that. did a lovely job. I, I tried that and... Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that I'm not going out for the next couple months. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much, Kavita, for doing this. And uh, I hope all the best for you and your continue to do an amazing job. Thank you. All right, guys. We're out. Bye.